Hello and welcome to our Christmas Day service. I take it that you are enjoying the festive gathering, though you can't gather with um, people outside your bubble, outside of your family. I trust that you're all having a good time. So we're just continuing in the last of our Christmas series today, the Christmas series which is the, the one true gift. And the title of my message today is Born So We Might Shine Like Stars. Born So We Might Shine Like Stars. So, have you ever had a part in the Christmas play? Maybe it was a nativity play. Which part did you play? Did you get one of the lead roles? Was you Mary or Joseph? Maybe you were one of the shepherds. Or maybe you had that glamorous role, the, uh, the donkey. <laughs> How about this Christmas? You take the lead role, not in the nativity play. No, it's a part in the drama of life. It's a role that the Christian continually needs to rehearse as he goes through his walk. It's going to be a challenge for all of us. No one is exempt from the difficulty of trying to live this out. If you will embrace this part and apply it to your Christian walk, it will be life-changing. So let's pray and get into today's message. Lord, we give you thanks for your grace towards us. Thank you for this day, Lord, um, that you, uh, son was born, Lord, in a manger, in a trough, Lord, as a saviour of the world. Lord, we thank you for just this opportunity to share, Lord. Pray that you would just have our hearts attentive and our eyes open and our ears wide, Lord, as, we, as you speak to us today, Lord. As you challenge us today, Lord, with your word, Lord, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. So, here's your chance to shine. Here's your chance to be a star. Here's your script. Now, this is not a one-off play for today, Christmas Day. It's a practice of lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change. So, here's today's text. Philippians 2, 14 to 15. Verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in, a, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as a light in the world. Verse 14. Do some things without grumbling or disputing. Do it if you feel like it. Do it if you wish. I wish it said that. No. All things. All things. That word grumbling means to complain, to murmur, to mutter, to whine, or to find fault. Paul says, all without disputing, which is to argue, quarrel, object, contest, or to debate in a negative sense. For all of us, this can be a real struggle. I know there are times when 
I might not be doing anything meaningful. Just kicking back in a lazy boy. TV remote in one hand, mobile in the other hand, when my wife will call me and ask me to do something for her. I must admit, there are times when I will start grumbling, complaining, moaning, groaning, just like Muttley. Oh, we don't grumble in earshot. No. We don't pull that face of discontent where she can see us. No, we do it in the kitchen. We go upstairs and we groan. We do it in the bathroom. Sometimes she'll hear me. We don't always grumble and murmur out loud. But sometimes we do it in our heart. What's that verse in Matthew 12? It says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meaning that sooner or later, whatever's in your heart eventually will spill out of your mouth. Do you ever find yourself complaining about your husband to the family and to your girlfriends? Do you ever complain about your wife to the boys? Complain about your job, your boss? How about brothers and sisters in church? Deuteronomy 1.27 says that God hears us when we murmur and complain. Do you know that when we complain about a situation, a difficult or testing time that we're going through, ultimately we're, bur we're murmuring about God? Why is that? Well, because he allowed it in our lives. What we're actually saying is that we're, we're discontent with God. So, let's put Philippians 2.14 into practice, starting today, this Christmas. If, you're, if you hear yourself murm if you hear that grumbling voice within you whispering, complain about the overcooked turkey and the, the lumps in the gravy, when you receive them boxer shorts and socks again, or that Christmas gift that someone received last year that they rewrapped and gave it to you this year, remember, no grumbling. <laughs> Before expressing that you don't want to go to the in-laws this year, and you probably got out of jail this year because of what Boris did um, the other day. <laughs> no disputing. As Christians, we must do all things, oh sorry, as Christians, we can do most things without grumbling and complaining. The challenge here is, as Paul says, to do all things without grumbling and complaining. Are you grumbling about COVID? Or are you seeing the opportunities behind it? I saw a clip on YouTube of a pastor. Instead of sitting at home grumbling, he sees an opportunity. He thinks to himself, well, most people are at home. They can't get out due to lockdown. Here's an opportunity. So what does he do? He drives down some road, parks up, gets a speaker out, and plays Amazing Grace to the residents. Then he does a short gospel presentation. Now, you'd probably expect the residents to, to, to lean out their windows and start shouting offensive language at him. But no, they joyfully leaned out their windows. They opened their doors. They were smiling. They were happy to see some sort of light in the midst of darkness and despair. What has amazed me is that as I've been studying for this sermon and trying to apply it, 
I found myself less inclined, less, not completely less inclined to grumble inwardly and outwardly when asked to do something I'm not feeling. If I feel that spirit rising within me, the Holy Spirit will pop this verse into my head. Guess what? He's going to pop it into your head too. You see, if it's in your mind, the Holy Spirit can draw for it. That's why we read, study, and meditate on God's word. David wrote in Psalm uh, 119, 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Before buying something, we all know that we need to do our research in case we get hoodwinked. Now, I don't know if you heard this story, but the new PlayStation 5 is out. It's all the rage, apparently. But because of the demands of Christmas, most people couldn't get their hands on them for love or money. And some people did manage to get, the people that managed to get their hands on them were buying two or three consoles at a time and selling this 450 pound console on eBay for seven to 800 pounds. Now, with people desperate to get their hands on the latest gaming gadget, sellers were taking pictures of their police station fives and selling them for up to 450 pounds. The description, the header, not the small print that no one sees or reads, said brand new photo of PS5 console. People were snapping up, snapping them up, thinking that they were going to get a console, only to receive a printed image of one. They had been duped. Now that's what happens when you don't read the description properly. There's always some dirty little crook out there <laughs> that is waiting to scam you. <laughs> Woo. Likewise, we need to know God's word so that we don't end up getting duped by the enemy. Serious talk. So what's the remedy for overcoming grumbling, for overcoming a grumbling and a disputing spirit? Well, apart from prayer and the divine help of the Holy Spirit, here are two things that can help us. First, number one, make a habit of remembering all that God has done for you. The focus should be on Jesus. Wow, he loves me. He saved me. He adopted me into his family. He protects me. He's given me hope and a future. He's forgiven me. I'm secure. He keeps on loving me despite of how sinful and selfish I am. Remember what he went through for you. Two, be thankful. Be very thankful. The cure for a grumbling spirit is a thankful spirit. Feed the thankful spirit. Deliberately, intentionally, and consistently learn the art of giving thanks in all circumstances. Learn to be thankful for every small and precious blessing that fills your life. Declare it, share it, rejoice in it. Whenever you're tempted to grumble or complain, find a reason to be thankful and fix your thoughts on that. It will change your life. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know what? Yeah, man, I love this verse. 
Now that this verse is planted within my spouse's head, I can now use it to manipulate them. The thought is that I can get them to do whatever I want because now they ain't going to grumble, they're not going to murmur, and they're not going to complain. Now, that's not the way you should be chopping up this verse. That's not the way you should take this verse and destroy it for your own needs. Because at the end of the day, we can make the Bible say, or interpret the Bible to say anything we want and use it for our own good. But that's not the way. So, what will be the results of applying verse 14 to our lives? Well, verse 15 tells us that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. That word blameless means above reproach. It doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means those to whom there is no charge of crime or grounds for accusation. The word innocent in the Greek means to be unmixed. It's the notion that even though we are in the world and consistently surrounded, surrounded by its denial of absolute authority, its rejection of the Bible and its ideology of relative morality, we remain unmixed. It's like trying to mix water with oil. Can't work. The believer must be, sorry, the believer is to be among those in the world, but they should not be influenced or contaminated by it. Contact without contamination. Well, no contact at the moment because of COVID, but you get the meaning. Now, we are blameless in God's sight. Not because there's anything good about us, but because we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Colossians 1.22 He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. Jude 1.24 now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his, his glory with great joy. That word blameless, sorry, we should be blameless and innocent to those around us, in our workplace, to our unsaved friends and family. There should be a noticeable difference between us and the world. Christians. So let's look at some verses in, from Ephesians 4 and 5 for some practical application to help us. First, here's what we should do. Should do. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That word imitate, imitator means to mimic or to copy. As people made in God's image, the goal should be to imitate him in all our actions. It starts, it starts with us showing a Christ-like love to those around us. We should be the ones that the believers would, the um, sorry, the unbelievers would want to come to when crisis hits. Why? Because they know they're going to receive prayer, love, sympathy, and godly counsel. Their mama may be sick. Bro, bro, can you can you throw up a prayer to the big guy for me? 
You see, they're not going to go to the joker on the job, the person that no one takes serious. You see, people don't want to know how much you know until they can see how much you care. Now, here are some things that we should not do if we are a child of God. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for, for we are members of one another. This speaks about lying or stretching the truth. Someone may say to you, how you doing, man? Even if you're going through a difficult time, even if your world is falling apart around it, you say, you know what? I'm all right, you know. How will it look to those that are around us if we're not being real? If we're trying to look as though we're super-duper spiritual? People are not stupid. They know when we're faking it. Ephesians 4, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Not like them crooks on eBay. So that we may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, we may think we're blameless in this area. Do you walk into work late? I know you do because you turn up to church late. <laughs> Instead of taking a one-hour lunch break, does that sometimes turn into a one-and-a-half-hour lunch break or a two-hour lunch break? When the boss is not about, do you kick back in the chair, talking and chilling with your friends? No work being done. Boss ain't about. Ephesians 5.4 let, let there be no filthness, nor foolish, nor crude joking, Sorry, let there be no filthness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. That is obscene or indecent conversation. Literally, that which is shameful. It means a kind of talk that is senseless, stupid, and foolish. You know, I spent a lot of my life on uh, working on building sites where dirty jokes and crude jesting were the norm. Now, these things may have been associated with our old lives, but as mimickers of God, we should distance ourselves from this kind of talk. Psalm 1.1 Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, if people happen to find out that we're Christians, that's if we're not undercover, secret agent on a secret mission for the Lord we are under their spotlight they are waiting for us to slip up and we will because we are a work in progress but these things should not categorise who we are characterise <laughs> categorise characterise who we are as believers to the people around us Verse 15 continues, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. These two words accurately express the condition of our society today. Here are some verses written some 2,000 years ago that speak of the days we are living in right now. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty... 
For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, swollen, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but deny its impact, but denying its power. Check it. End of verse 5 says, avoid such people. This blows me away. How did Paul, who wrote 2 Timothy, know these things back then? This is the world we live in. Just watch television for a while. That 9pm watershed has disappeared. There is now no watershed. There are places like the dark web. Cyberbullying is on the rise. Cyber stalkers. Cyber stalkers. What's a cyber stalker? Some greasy head brother with no life sitting in his room stalking people. Wow. I'm being a bit ruthless today, aren't I? I need to calm down, man. But this is the world we live in. Look around, man. You see, there are hidden dangers in allowing your young children on social media platforms like TikTok, Tumblr, Tinder, and Kick. You know, you may think them sites are harmless. You know, I haven't got time, but do the research on the dangers of these sites. You'll be surprised. I was. I saw a site with, with a, from a, a mother's perspective. She grabbed her child's phone and she went onto one of these sites. And the things her daughter was posting at the age of 11, she couldn't believe it. So, yeah, do your research on that. These places are dangerous. In the 20th century, more blood was shed in the previous 19 put together. Got that from Ravi. Many of us have grown accustomed to the darkness around us. And we have become desensitized to it. Things that used to shock us are no longer shocking. Isaiah 5.20 pictures it perfectly. Where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And that's the world we live in. What was evil back then is now glamorized. Why are things like this? Second Corinthians 4.4 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Continuing in verse 15, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus said, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. Present tense. Here, now. You see, you may have been a light in the past, shining brightly. 
But are you still shining today? How can we be a light in a dark world? It starts with us being connected to the one true light, Jesus Christ. You see, he has put his light in us and it's not intended to be hidden. We need to interact with unbelievers and not just hang out in Christian circles. Not because we want to mimic their lifestyle, but because we want to shine the light of Christ. We should be a reflection of who he is. We need to shine the light of the gospel, the good news that saves. We need to be a transformed people who stand out in a crooked and twisted generation. John 3, 19-20 And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. We know that most crimes take place at night, in the darkness. Uh, we remember from our partying days, the later and darker it gets outside, the better the party. You've been to some parties like that, yeah? <laughs> yeah. BC, yeah? Yeah. You know the only party that is, is a good party that takes place in the daytime, daytime is a kid's birthday party. There are people who are out there in darkness. They need to see a great light, a shining star. They need to see a picture of Jesus. You are that picture. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. When we think of the Magi in the Nativity story, in Matthew 2, 10 and 11, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. With great joy. <clears throat> exceedingly. And going into the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Now, this verse is a bit troublesome for some um, cult groups. Just thinking of Jesus when he was starving, hadn't eaten for 40 days, and he was tempted by the devil. And the devil said, I would give you all this if you will bow down and worship me. What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. So what are these magis doing worshipping Jesus? Think about it. Brothers and sisters, like the star that led the Magi to Jesus, you are the, that star that should point people to Jesus, the giver of hope. Because they're lost. They've lost their peace, their joy. They're not sure what the future holds. But if your light has dimmed or even gone out, if you've hidden your light, remember, the world needs to see it so they, so they might fall down and worship him. You see, most of us are Christians because someone shone their light that led us to, to, to Jesus. That mother, that father, 
that grandparent, that faithful friend. You see, many people will never read the Bible, but they're reading you. They're reading your life. In closing, this Christmas, shine your light today. Shine your light around your friends, your family, your co-workers when you get back to work. Everyone that you come into contact with. Let them see your humility, your joy, that spirit of peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. Tell them about the greatest gift, Jesus Christ, and how they can receive him. You'll be glad you did. If you're tuned in today, Christmas Day, if you're listening and you've, you've heard of the greatest gift, but you've never surrendered your life to him, you can do that right here, right now. The Bible says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So what must you do? How can you do that? Well, first it starts with you repenting of your sins. That is to turn away from them. And ask God for forgiveness and receive Jesus by faith as your Lord and Saviour. Believe that he died for your sins and that he was buried and that he rose again. Here's a preacher's verse. No greater love than this, than someone lay down his life for a friend. Another verse, John 6, 37b. Jesus, the greatest gift, said, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This Christmas, let's be that light that draws people to Jesus. And not a people that would turn them off of the holy, only hope there is. Let's pray. We, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it speaks to our hearts. It speaks to us in our times of trouble, Father. It guides us when we're in darkness. It, sh it reveals to us who we are and what we are. But thank you for the cross. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for to lifting our burdens and our troubles. Thank you, Lord, for being there on point, on time, when we need you. Father God, thank you that your word says that you will never leave us or forsake us. I pray for those that don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you. The only hope there is. People that are suffering in hospital. People that have been misguided by the, 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 the lights and the pleasures of this world and the darkness that there is that they cannot see because all they can see is, is that the world has turned evil into, evil into good and good into evil. Lord, we pray your hand upon these people. Pray that as you suffered and died and rose again, that those out there that do not know you will rise to new life and have that confidence, that hope, that future, that no matter what happens to them in this life, on this planet, they are eternally secure in you. And that only comes about by knowing the one true gift, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.